1: Radio Pioneer passed away this weekend. We celebrate his life. And then the Barbie movie goes crazy at the box office. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Monday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. Aubrey, how was your weekend?
2: It was really fun. Yeah, good. Uh, Kevin took our youngest to a camp with Willow Creek over the weekend. So it was me, a boys weekend for me with my other two sons. And I did participate in the big Barbenheimer uh, (laughs) weekend, which I know we're going to talk about later. But yeah, a good enjoyable weekend and it was sunny and and beautiful. I'll talk later about the fact that our air conditioning did go out again and some other things are happening that wasn't fun, but otherwise I had some enjoyable memories. What about you, Brian?
1: Well, I didn't know that I had more work to do this week, but now I know I have to set up a GoFundMe for GoFundMe yes. for you. Thank with, you. Uh, I, I,
2: I'm. I will take it and not feel bad about that. Thank the you. many <laughs> things
1: you're going to share about later that are going wrong in your life. <laughs> uh, so uh, my wife Carrie was away with Jackson. He had his like last away baseball tournament. So they were away together, mom and son fun, having fun. Fun. So it was me and the girls. It was just me and the girls, and uh, it was a ton of fun. But I I felt like this. Like I was like, all right, I'm with the girls. We're going to do all this fun stuff, and. We went out to dinner. We went and walked at Blackwell Forest Preserve. We walked around downtown Naperville, uh, and it felt like I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull this weekend off." So we had a good old uh, time. It was how fun, was fun to That's, be home.
2: I love that.
1: It was fun to be home with the girls, uh, Aubrey. This is where I wanted to start, though. Okay, uh, I want you to. Th- so last week I shared like uh, my most embarrassing moment, right? Getting ejected from a from a youth baseball game. Uh, which, by yes. the way, I shared with—I uh, used it in my sermon on Sunday. My church—they got to hear the story of me getting thrown out of a youth baseball game, and they appreciated it. <laughs> Did they like much.
2: it? I love that you told it.
1: So, because yes, it it drew many many a laugh. Uh, so, being that I will share hard things about myself, I'm going to brag on myself for a second, Aubrey. What is the best compliment you could get? I want you to think of oh. this right now, because I got one of one of the best compliments i think i could ever get what would be like i'm putting you on the spot here yeah top of the list compliments
2: the hard part is it kind of depends on who it's from you know what i mean like a little bit of point yep like my kids mom you're the best mom ever that kind of thing i you're you're a friend you know like i trust you that kind of thing husband my avery i see all the things you do for our family i love you so much you know, just someone on Instagram, like, thank you so much for what you do. You've helped me see Jesus. You know, that's you know what I mean, like audience, yeah. audience specific. Why? Okay. Why did you get it? Did you get yours,
1: Aubrey? Last night, my fourteen-year-old daughter, <gasps> as I was okay. cuddling with her, she's going to bed. We had a fun weekend. She just goes. We are in a conversation. She goes, "You know what? You're a cool dad."
0: No, she didn't.
1: I was like, "Get me a t-shirt now. <laughs> get me a mug. Get I- me a keychain." <laughs> I'm I've lived it. my I'm life. It.
2: I've lived my life. I've done everything I was supposed to do. I can go now. That's right. Amazing. You can take
1: everything else away. Right? Yeah. I don't need to, I don't need a successful yeah. radio show cool or a dad. good pastor or a big church. Oh, you're a cool dad. I'm Come, a cool cool dad. dad. Come on.
2: Dad. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, so that's precious. You're going to Cool today. dad.
1: When you and I leave the uh, studio, we oftentimes will be in the parking garage, and both our car. You love to sit in your car forever, so I never I really quite know when you're pulling out. But sometimes <laughs> you pull out right behind me. You're going to see a bumper sticker that just says "Cool, cool Dad." Dad. <laughs> cool Dad on board.
2: <laughs> you're going to have like the Michael Scott's World's Best Boss mug. I'm going to have cool a mug. mug. Cool Dad mug.
1: I'm going <laughs> to live. I'm going <laughs> to lean into this in every way that I possibly can. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I am a cool dad.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You're right. So what did you say when she said that?
1: I said, well, that's awesome. I said, yeah, I think I joked with her like, yes, I am. But then I was like, oh, that means a lot, sweetie. And then I told her how much fun we had this weekend. So it was was all good. And so then I ran into my other daughter's room and I'm like, what do you got for me? What do you got? (laughs) What are you going to say? Because here's what
2: your sister said. So
1: (laughs) can you top this?
2: Step up. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, well, I we're glad it. that you are with us today on a Monday afternoon. Aubrey, many people might not know, and to be honest with you, until recently, I didn't know the name Stuart Epperson, E P P E R S O N, Stuart and Epperson. You
2: feel ba- Do you feel bad that neither of us knew the name? Because I feel like we should.
1: So I didn't, I knew of him before this, you know, past weekend, but mm. on July 17th, so a week ago. Uh Stuart Epperson passed away at the age of 86. You might be wondering who he is. He's the co-founder of Salem Radio, which you are listening to us on listening to us on right now. In fact, not just Salem Radio, but the Salem Media Group, which now is podcasts and books and all this other stuff. Uh, But at the age of 86, Stuart Epperson, and so Christian Today wrote an obituary, basically, an article about him, in which he co founded Salem Media. Mm. uh with his brother-in-law That's and so now cool. it is uh it has grown into kind of all of this uh so uh, yeah i thought it important not just because we're on one of his stations but also because i don't know we all know like the big forward facing frontward facing yeah, people
2: right right
1: the influence in christian media uh, which is uh, our lane, but also in conservative political arena, okay. right? You think of AM five hundred and sixty, right? Uh, here in Chicago, I mean, this guy has had an immense amount of influence that people don't even know about,
2: right? And I also think um, someone who was ahead of his time, meaning mm-hmm. he he took Christian preachers and, like you're saying, politicians and different stations. And kind of said, look, people are listening to the radio. Now, we know times are changing and they're streamloading podcasts, which Salem has that now as well. But like, I think he was ahead of his time in giving voice to some Christian uh, folks, some preachers, some conservative politicians saying, hey, let's reach people through the radio when it was, you know, back in the day, it was like, just on the newspaper, everyone. Right, you could read a sermon in a paper s- some Sunday, or you could, you know. So he, I think, hasn't been credited, but I think could be credited with advancing Christian communication publicly, right. which is really interesting.
1: Right, and so uh, I know, especially on the political side, people have their opinions and stuff. But
2: sure,
1: uh, a. Again, and I think we're reminded of the number of people out there. Like years ago, Time magazine named him one of the twenty-five most influential evangelicals I did uh, not know in that. the world. Wow. But you think about it, there's all these people in the Christian world, in the entertainment world, or we're a political world who are kind of behind the scenes. Yeah. Who are bigger deals, having greater influence than the people we listen to all the time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to read one quote from him because I thought this was an interesting quote that really speaks to a lot of things in all of our lives. He said uh, they didn't have a grand plan to build an influential media empire. Here's what he said about that. As the doors opened, we felt compelled to walk through them. It's not exactly what we set out to do, but God has always made a way. And later on, he says, we didn't have this grand plan, like this five-year, 10-year, 20-year vision. They just kept going and the doors Mm, kept opening. I feel like that's how my life, all of our lives actually work. Like we think we can lay out 20 years ahead of us, but it's really like, well, that door opened and I went through it. And all of a sudden, after many, many doors, he's got this media. empire. I think that's a good way to live, don't you?
2: Yeah, I do too. And in fact, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about this until right now, but I preached a message on Acts 16 a while ago where the Mas- Paul has the vision of the Macedonian man calling mm-hmm. to him. It ends up actually leading him, uh, I think intentionally, but it seems ironic to a Greek woman, right? A Gentile woman and um, Lydia. And um, th- the interesting thing to me about that story is Paul and his traveling companions go to one place the Holy Spirit, scripture says, stops. They can't go to certain regions. So they go to another region. Spirit of Jesus stops them. They can't go there. And it's like this weird sort of maze or pinball machine until they finally get to where they want to go. And what I I think is so amazing about that is, one, they didn't give up. They knew they had a call and they kept going even when doors closed. And two, they didn't have a map, but they had a call. And so like you're saying, they took Paul and his uh, Paul and Timothy and we assume Luke and some others, like just took step of faith one day at a time, one month at a time, saw God open the doors, and eventually they could look back and see what God had been doing that whole time. Mm. But I think you're right. Like we we take the steps of faith that we can trust yeah. that God is guiding us. And when we look back retroactively, I think we can often see like, oh, there's been a there's been a grand narrative this whole time.
1: That's right. Um, I, think, and, and yeah, so, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's just a great way to live life faith you- and
2: see what God does.
1: I know I've been reflecting some in my own life about the church because we've got some major changes coming up. And I, I I look back to the even before we started and it was like people like, how did you end up where you end up? I don't know. I drove around there. It felt great. I talked to people like there were all these little doors that opened. It wasn't this grand. There was no star like pointing to baby Jesus over yeah. where we planted the church. And yeah. so uh, anyway, uh, the life of Stuart Epperson thought it important to start our show mm-hmm. just mentioning his life. You can read more about him at Christianity Today, many other places kind of honoring him and his passing. Well, coming up next, there's a couple pop culture stories that I want to I shoot to all fields here. This will be fun. And, uh, and let's just talk pop culture. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. Aim 1160, hope for your life. All right. I think one of the things we try to accomplish on this show is to help people um, engage pop culture with their faith, right? Like what do yeah. we do? Yeah. How do we do that? Uh, and so there were some major just things that I saw that are not from the Christian world. I would not try to call all of these pop culture, but not from the Christian world. Usually yeah. when we go pop culture, Aubrey, we we go, I like to go to the trials and travails of Harry and Meghan. I
2: was- that we're but, not talking about the royal family today yeah, i which read is an shocking. article the other
1: day about uh, <laughs> the number of people in hollywood who are distancing themselves from uh harry and Meghan right now and mm. the theory was that they you, want to stay been in right. the you've been they right the whole
2: time
1: the thing is they want apparently it's happening because a lot of these people want to stay in the good graces of william and kate
2: oh. and so fascinating so this is like who has more power who's long-term gonna help them out more maybe
1: there is uh interesting but apparently uh not all is not well in the world of uh the duke what are they the duke and duchess of sussex
2: Sure. Yep. Is that what they are? Yep. Uh, oh, man. Oh, man. If if they need a friend, they can call me. I've been loyal this whole time. I think, so.
1: I think let's put it this way. I don't think we've done our last Harry and Meghan story on this show. <laughs> I think there's more coming, uh, yeah. whether it be weeks or months or however long. It's it. Uh, it something
2: goes. to look forward to, for sure.
1: So some people, Aubrey, are saying, and you uh, told me as I was telling you what I wanted to talk about, you are like, I very much was one of the people contributing to this, that being you. Uh, a lot of people saying this might be the biggest weekend for movies since COVID.
2: Yeah, they say uh Marvel Endgame, actually.
1: Okay, because not even just the numbers, but the fact that two very different movies came out this weekend and kind of – both took the theater by storm, right? Like yeah, people just yeah. like, that being, in fact, what are they calling it? It's Barbie and, uh, and Oppenheimer, but they've They're combined them Bar- to be.
2: Yeah. Barbenheimer. And some theaters were actually selling like double feature tickets. And there's all these memes about like, you know, with the two with Barbie and the hydrogen bomb behind her, things like that. <laughs> and, you know, and they were events, right? Like, For Barbie, everyone was dressing up in like pink or coming as their favorite Barbie, and Oppenheimer was shot on an IMAX camera or film and then showing it a lot of IMAX theater. So people wanted to go like for these experiences, which I think is really interesting. Like wasn't just go see this movie. It's good. It's like, let's immerse yourself in this whole weekend, which I, they were, I saw them both. They were both fantastic movies. So that helped. But I think that the like immersion and the experience also helped with some of this ticket sales as well. Uh,
1: yes. And so what, I do want to hear just kind of your reviews. You and I were talking about Barbie off air because my two daughters went and saw it. They loved yeah. it. Yeah. But they both—they're young teen. Not they're not young teenagers. My oldest daughter's nineteen. My other daughter's fourteen. Uh, I don't think they knew what they were getting into when they mm, went. Yeah. And so their initial response to it was, "Yeah, it was really good." But I—they were very aware that they were being. I'm going to use this. This is going to sound like a bad way to say it. I don't mean it as bad as it's going to sound. They both were very aware that they were being sold a message. Like there was a purpose. And I read that a lot from people. This one, you got to tell people, hey, do your research. Yeah. But there were lots of moms who brought girls to it, thinking it was completely Uh, something different than it was. Yeah. Because I think... Uh people need to know both Barbie and Oppenheimer definitely are, me- are like, mo- like movies often are, have a message that, that they're trying to get out there.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, the yeah, you know, it, Bar- I, I mean, and I am here to say I, I love the message of Barbie and, and would stand wholeheartedly behind it. But it definitely had a message at a strong point of view. And, um, you know, what do they call that in communication? There's the locution, the illocution and the perlocution. The locution is what is happening. The illocution is what is actually being said. And the perlocution is what the creator or speaker wants you to do about it. Barbie was full of those things. And Oppenheimer as well, obviously, one more of a historical drama than the other. Um, but I was a
1: communications major and I don't know that I know those words that you just gave.
2: Oh, you're not as smart as me. That might be Why?
1: yeah that's
2: part of the the theory of communication as these you know communication happens on three levels anyway we don't need to get into that kind of geeky nerdy (laughs) stuff but yes it had a message it had a strong agenda and i thought it was fantastic so go see it (laughs) Down with the patriarchy!
1: <laughs> if you tend to, if you tend to resonate with Aubrey Sampson, go see Barbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know,
2: we don't need to get into this because this is nerdy and, like, I don't want to spoil anything for the movie. But it's a, it's a, sort of a retelling of Genesis. Um, leaving the garden—it's fascinating. Fascinating, kind of, kind of in reverse. It's really, really interesting.
1: So, what's the name of the lady you said who made it? Because you Greta, said,
2: yeah, Greta Gerwig. She's the director of Little Women, which is my favorite movie of all time. She's also, although Barbie is up there now, she's also the director of wow. Lady Bird. Um, and that she's been an actress as well, but um, she's an acclaimed director, and she's the first. This is the biggest opening for a female director ever. So now, oh, wow. of course, she's kind of in a category of like a groundbreaker.
1: So uh, my daughter and I were talking about her because I don't know if you're aware of this. Maybe you are. You tend to know these things more than I do. Um, this is where I get a little not about her, but just in general with remakes. Like, I feel like if you're going to remake a movie or like take something that's historical or like important, you should stick to what the original message was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of people talking. Like Greta Gerwig, is that her name? Uh huh. Uh, has been tasked to remake Narnia.
2: <gasps> Interesting. Or is it at least in
1: talks. And my, we had a great conversation, my daughter and I, because I was like, wow. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think people should take something written wow. by Lewis or written by someone. I'm not saying she is going to change it.
2: Yeah, but
1: often what you see now is these remakes take it in a different direction yeah, or a she different. Did, she
2: was very, very true to Little Women. Like, okay, very, very true. And I'm
1: not even I saying mean- this about her. Just when I hear someone's redoing Narnia in general, I'm like, ugh, really? Yes. We're gonna redo Narnia, or we're gonna Although, redo
2: the Narnia movies were not good. The ones that came out a few years ago. So Agreed. I I actually would be, I'd be okay with the remake, but I hear what you're saying. You like want it to be true to the source material and not. That's like, all. Yeah. And not come with, come with its own, its own agenda or its own perspective or what have you.
1: You don't want to lose. You don't want to leave a movie of Narnia where someone has remade it and you go, I'm not sure that's what Lewis ever said. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I'm not sure. Yeah.
2: That's a whole interesting conversation about like what is the place of art and can it exist outside of what the creator wanted, the artist wanted or is it like a thing that is canon and can't be changed? You know, I mean, I yeah. I think that's a really interesting thing. What obviously for especially for Christians who love Lewis and love Narnia, I think what They would just want it to stay true to like the theological story that's in there. And I do, again, in defense of Greta Gerwig, who obviously I'm a fan of, she grew up in a Catholic household. So hopefully there's some, you know, again, Barbie was Genesis. So I'm telling you. And
1: hear me clearly. This is less about Greta Gerwig, more about someone redoing Lewis's Narnia. And I'm like, uh,
2: just be good. (laughs)
1: Just be good to
2: it. Just make it good. Make it good.
1: All right. So you would encourage people to see Barbie.
2: Yes. uh,
1: Oppenheimer. I know it's got uh, It's rated R, so it's got yeah, some. I, yeah. I've already read in the background, you know, some um, some nudity, some sex. But if uh, if let's assume this is adults listening, would you encourage people to go? What, uh, is that movie dark? What would you tell people about that movie?
2: So it's a hard movie to watch. Um, not even necessarily for what you'd expect. Uh, like, a vi- I mean, it's not really even about the bomb um it's more about the story around it but it's hard because it's heavy and you kind of see i mean i am not going to spoil anything although it's historical drama but it is kind of an exploration of power and Mm -hmm. so it's it's heavy if that makes sense it is a good movie the three hours don't feel like it's plodding along like it moves for the acting is incredible there are some scenes i thought were gratuitous and unnecessary especially sex scenes it just didn't make any sense um Lots of good discussion to be had after about sort of the nature of a power and war and men at war and things like that. So I would recommend it, but I, I, I would probably see it on the big screen because of the sound is really interesting. I would just kind of know like you're going into sort of a heavy three hour situation, a hard three hour situation.
1: I, th- I think I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: I, I think you would. I also think you'd
1: be. Mission able- Impossible. Here but, I come.
2: But don't. I saw Mission Impossible too. I would go see that. Don't skip Barbie, though. Do not skip Barbie.
1: Man, you've seen a lot of movies. Good for you. That's what I do. There you go. All right. Coming up next, I'm going to ask Aubrey a question that she'll either be willing to engage with or get mad at me for even asking. <laughs> I'm going to do that next here on The Common Good. AM 1160. Hope for your life. All right, Aubrey, before we went to break, I said I'm going to ask you a question or I'm going to make an observation. This is like part grinds my gears, part get off my lawn, am I the old guy, part, uh, I don't know, a couple different things from games that we have. Should Christians do this? It's Uh all of it. Okay, that's going to be fine. So I'm going to make a a cultural observation and I want to know what you think Uh, because it has to do uh, primarily with uh, with women and their attire. So am I already in trouble for asking this, for bring, for oh. you know, counting it this way?
2: Uh, maybe. Let's go. Let's see where it goes. I don't know. You might be. You might be because you're a guy bringing it up, but maybe. Well,
1: that's all I got to ask you. This is, you know, you're the female on here. You could tell me, nope, you're wrong. Get all you know, and let's have this conversation. So I'm not even asking Christians. I'm just going societally as a whole. Oh, okay, okay,
2: okay. okay. So societally we all know
1: the youth group whole. talk here, that is. Yeah. But as, and we can have this as Christians, but let's start societally as a whole. I've never seen more, and I don't know, maybe it's just the world that I'm, like, my my community. I've never been around more people in, more women in public just in sports bras than I am this summer.
2: Uh, it is <laughs> And true. I'm like, I'm style. now like, the, I'm now style, to the point where sure.
1: I'm like, I think as a culture We've gone too far. Like, I think this should okay. be like not allowed. And I'm not allowed. I use in air quotes. What are you going to yeah. do? Like, how right. what are you going to take the right. people? Right. I don't know. But it feels like I'm just going to bluntly say it. It feels like this is not an okay thing.
2: Because it's underwear. That's
1: Correct.
2: I, yeah, yeah.
1: Correct. And another reason I feel that way is that I know that I feel this way. If I was waiting in the car. And either of my daughters or my wife came out in a sports bra <laughs> we'd have words. Like it wouldn't be okay. And okay, so – And
2: why? Why?
1: Because it doesn't feel appropriate. It doesn't okay, feel, Why? Because it's got the word bra in the title. <laughs> well, what
2: if it's just it called it feels, your workout outfit?
1: Yeah. Then see, what? I just think it's too revealing. I think okay. we've, we've gotten too comfortable. Too revealing, comfortable. not a,
2: but what if you're at the beach? Is it just that it's out in public?
1: Yeah, I think so. How is it different, different than
2: a, like a bikini or a bathing suit?
1: Well, then you're, not,
2: you're saying you're because you're not at the beach.
1: Are you good with guys walking into Starbucks next to you just in their boxer shorts? No,
2: absolutely not.
1: If that's the same argument. Yeah, okay. no, that's, what I'm
2: ask- no. that's what I'm asking.
1: It feels out of place. And so yeah, it feels like. And I've raged to you before about how we're, we're now a society where everybody wears pajama pants totally. and this and that. But, yeah. but this is different. And this yeah. isn't even, believe me, I've given the youth group talk.
2: Yes. Telling yes.
1: the girls right. be careful for the boys eyes, right? Yes. Like I've, I've been guilty of that talk. I'm not even going from that. I think it, I don't even know. You need to help me. Help me process. Yeah. Because I think it says something bad about our culture that we're good with this. That this is just like no, – because it feels normal, doesn't it, now?
2: So, and, okay. Can, can I – I'll also like, hang two... it on guys.
1: I'll also hang it on guys, but this feels smaller in our culture. I get it. I was at a stoplight the other day, and there was a 50-year-old guy who walked in downtown downers with no shirt on. And I was like, buddy.
2: No, you got to put you, a
1: shirt on, man.
2: <laughs> Brian, Brian, I'm telling you, that's my husband. Like we'll be walking like on the, around the neighborhood and he'll take his shirt off. And I'm like, what are you doing? Bro? <laughs> put your shirt back on, bro. Stop. Am it.
1: I overplaying this? I, I, Am think I, just,
2: I think there are two things happening at the same time. So can okay. I say what they are? I want to both One, men cannot tell women what to wear. Period. The end. Goodbye. Forever. That conversation is done now. Okay. Can
1: dads tell daughters what to wear?
2: Yes. And moms can tell daughters what to wear. Yes. yes. yes can yes, yes. husbands
1: engage their wives in the conversation about what they no, wear?
2: I don't think so. Really? But let me say the other thing that's going to sound okay. the totally opposite that I think is happening at the exact same time.
1: Okay. okay.
2: So under the umbrella of it is time for men to stop telling women what to wear and being the gatekeepers of women's bodies. Done, 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 and done. Simultaneously. I think young girls and women are becoming way too comfortable objectifying and commodifying themselves and turning themselves into what I just said, objects and commodities. That also has to change. And I I just last week, I, I co-host the Nothing is Wasted podcast, and I interviewed Jessica Harris, who does a lot of work with women in, in the porn industry and women who are addicted to porn. And um, it was fascinating to talk to her about her experience. And this is all public. She writes about this. She speaks about this. Her experience as a young adult being asked to send pictures to guys. And she actually became a a product of pornography because of pain in her life. And the amount of pain and regret and heartache that she experienced because she did send those pictures. And she's here she's a mom now. She's married now. But she is like, I turned myself into an object of consumption Mm. and and that to me was so striking because i think our precious young daughters are in the name of good feminism which like i said men needs to stop this are also forgetting that like they can be used and they and for generations like since the ancient of days women have been victimized and commodified and objectified and and um I think there is a line between I can do what I want, wear what I want, be what I want, be empowered, etc. And let's not conti- let's not continue making women objects. Like, so I I think modesty matters for both men and women. I, I not not because of the male gaze. I'm sick of that conversation. Men do your own work and deal with your own lust problems. Um, but because we have to stop making ourselves like it's hard enough to be a woman in this world. This is what the Barbie movie was about. It's hard enough to be a woman in this world to turn yourself into just like something to be viewed on social media. It doesn't allow you to take up the full space and the worth that God has for you. Mm. So, uh, so again, good. two things happening at once that are going to sound antithetical, but I actually think they're very connected. So I
1: want to ask you about one thing you said, this will yeah. be for another day. I, yeah. I disagree with you that guys can't speak into this, but I do think it's got to be, it's, there's a nuance to it. Yeah. I think yeah. the way we speak into it has probably not been helpful. Mm.
2: Um, that's good, Brian. Yeah. The
1: word good. modesty, because I, I I was actually reading an article that about this, and they were talking about modesty. You know, that was a buzzword, again, in the youth ministry talks that we gave or this and that, but you brought it up. Modesty is an important virtue, yeah. I would say in the Christian life. Too. So we don't live in a culture that our grandparents lived in where they literally went out in suits and they literally, right. you know, all of this stuff. It's it been, yeah. It has been going down and down and down and down, right? Yeah. In terms of fanciness yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So what does Christian modesty look like in this culture? How, what what do we tell our kids? Like, what's, uh, Man. what do we talk about? What do we say to the next generation about here's yeah. the importance of modesty and here's what it looks like.
2: Yeah. I think this is a, a conversation that it feels ha- hard for me as a mom of sons. Cause I'm not mm. the one I hear my friends that have daughters saying like, I can't find shorts that are long. I can't find shirts that are long. And this True. is what their friends wear and this is fashion. And so like, they're asking the question, how do I encourage body positivity? How do I inver- encourage my daughters to feel confident and cute and on trend? And also like instill in them, you know, some like some dignity and some here's what power looks like. So I, I'm i very reticent, Brian, to say, here's how you do it. I, I just think we know where it's gone wrong is when Mm -hmm. it's been just about protecting the male gaze and not about protecting the young girls. And when it's been made into purity culture, like it's your fault, ladies, that your brothers are stumbling, whatever that is, has to be totally removed from the conversation. Somehow it's got to be about community honoring each other, honoring yourself, but I don't know how to draw hard lines around that. Mm -hmm. Something because I'm hearing these conversations from my uh, friends who have daughters, you know, since I'm not in it, I I feel it, it's hard for me to say. Well, here's what you should or here's what you shouldn't allow them to wear. I I don't know. I think it's hard. But you're a dad of daughters. What do you and Carrie I, think?
1: On some level, on some level, you know when you know, right? Wasn't that the old mm-hmm. Supreme Court line about pornography? Like you mm-hmm. know when you know, like you know it when you see it. Yeah. And I know that's that's that is that's very squishy. Like yeah, you know mm-hmm. when you know, but there've been times where you're like, that just doesn't feel appropriate. That just doesn't seem right. Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about, and you know, our generation and their generation probably see things differently.
2: Yeah, totally. Um,
1: And it's never gone well. If I'm like, you're not wearing that you know that probably doesn't go well either <laughs> right, But just, right and i will be honest with my daughters the conversation comes a lot better from carrie <laughs> than it does from I, me and
2: i actually think there's wisdom in that like it yes. maybe should come from moms and not from dads you know
1: <laughs> but uh you, you kind of know when you know and to bring it full circle i know when i know when i see these yeah, all these girls yeah, wearing sports yeah. bras walking downtown and i, and I
2: also your heart like for your daughters is to protect them like oh my gosh and a dad should do that like i think that's such a good instinct for a dad like you're like look i know i know what guys are thinking and i you know so like there's some truth to that that we don't want to be naive about either and and the heart of dad's matters in this conversation i just sort of think men have taken it and made it about themselves
1: for sure that's what we tend to do so (laughs) coming up next (laughs) I want to hear some words from Pastor Derwin Gray. We're going to get encouragement uh, from our friend Derwin Gray from Twitter. on uh, Here next on the Common Good, Aim 1160, hope for your life. All right, Aubrey, you've got a friend. We've had him on the show before, uh, Dr. Derwin Gray, uh, former NFL player. Pastor of Transformation Church in, I believe, North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina.
2: I know. We always go, one of the Carolinas. He's one of the Carolinas. Carolinas. Yeah.
1: He is uh, the author of many books, including How to Heal Our Racial Divide. So Derwin's been on the show before, but he's one of those guys, when I see a clip of him on Twitter, I'm always like, I'm going to watch this. Yeah, he's so uh, good. And so uh, I'm guessing this might have been yesterday. Derwin was speaking about forgiveness and new life. And I just love what he does with it. So let's listen to it. And then I'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: Okay. Christ. Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. I love when the apostle Paul gets on his even more kicks. He's like, okay, Jesus died. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're righteous, but he's been raised from the dead. And he's raised to live in you. Some of the greatest words that are honey to my lips and oxygen to my soul is that Christ has been raised to live in you. So if you don't follow Jesus, understand this. He wants to give you more than forgiveness. He also wants to give you his life. What good is forgiveness to a dead person?
1: All right. Well, what do you think? Doing great. Talk about forgiveness. Man. Talking about all that stuff. Uh, okay.
2: I, I know this is not the point, Brian. So, but I feel like I have to say this every time when I hear really good preachers, my, a little bit of my jealousy alarm goes off like, man, <laughs> so
1: good.
2: but I love that. What good is forgiveness to a dead person? And I think this is like so powerful because we sometimes like sort of truncate the gospel and only make it about one thing. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> only make it about forgiveness of sins, you can go to heaven or only make it about new life in Christ and not the forgiveness part. But the fact that he's talking about, look, when Jesus died, it was for the forgiveness of your sins and so that his spirit can make you alive. And Mm. I just think it's so powerful when we get greater, bigger, more robust glimpses into the work of Jesus's work on the cross, his soteriology, his saving power, like what does that actually mean for us? And you go, oh, it's so much bigger than we thought. Oh, it's so much more than we thought. Oh, it's, you know, like that to me is so, so powerful. And just the way Derwin put it, like what good is forgiveness to a dead person? It's so true. Like one, we need this message now. And we want to share this message with people, but also like Jesus makes us alive through the power of His Holy Spirit, through the power of His forgiveness, and through what He's doing, you know, in the resurrection. And anyway, it's cool. What did you think?
1: Yeah, let me make two totally non-important points. People should go back and watch this clip. First, he never looks at any notes this entire time. I know know it's only a one-minute clip.
2: Jealousy. He just. But he's nowhere near
1: his notes. Uh, He's not even near his notes.
2: I'm gonna say teleprompter question mark. Screen in but the never, back? Question Maybe,
1: mark? maybe, maybe. But Only he's to make not, myself uh, feel
2: better. Only to make myself feel better. He has a stand better.
1: up there, so I think there are oh, notes okay. up yeah. there.
2: There's a confidence monitor, though. I bet.
1: Could be. Yeah. Uh, secondly, when did the TV on the stage become a big thing with every big church? Is that a? Is that Andy Stanley? Do you think? Is that? I.
2: You know, it's so funny. I don't know, but my experience. You know, I preach at this church in Seattle at one season there was not a tv on the stage now there's a tv on the stage right it's a yeah it's a thing they like zoom in on it for their online services and then zoom back out so you got the preacher standing by the tv so it's something to do with like when it goes online or on tv but yeah when did this i don't have a tv on do you have a tv on stage here? no team? no People would laugh if we put a tv on we do a I screen think, like a back you know right? a behind a screen it's a new behind you screen
1: I think it's Andy Stanley. You
2: think this is started. like an Andy he's the Stanley father, thing. He's the father of the TV.
1: <laughs> I think so. Because, well, the precursor to this, and then we'll get back to what Derwin <laughs> said. The precursor to this is, do you remember in like the, well, I don't know. I don't know when it was, but you remember when highballs at Willow would speak and he always had like, or he oh, would the, often the have the like a white thing, right? Yeah, yes. Right. He would have that flip notebook. He'd be yes. writing. I yes. think that's the precursor to the TV.
2: I think you're right because
1: people would all try to do that, or they'd have the whiteboard yep. up there. Yes. and then I think it morphed into Andy Stanley having this big t- having this TV next to him, and it always is a weird concept. I don't think the TV works. This is why it's a mega church thing. Yeah, I don't think the TV works <laughs> unless there's a picture being put up on a screen in Behind the.
2: Yeah, yes. I do think they do both. It's like you got the, yes. the TV screen and the thing behind you. So two, so. Th- there's two forms. I don't know why we're talking about this and not the message of forgiveness in life. But <laughs> what? This is now my question. What's the next? Like, okay, if it was highballs in the notebook, and then it was the whiteboard, which I I do like a whiteboard sometimes on stage, and then yeah. it's the TV. What's post TV holograms? Maybe the hologram. I think of what the it notes. might
1: be, and maybe this is already part of the TV thing. But I think it's the like, I can touch the TV and move things around. Ooh, so I'm like interacting with the with TV. The TV. <laughs> right? I think that <laughs> might be it.
2: A, or this is where it's just all going to robot preachers. Chat, so we're, 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 we're one step from
1: AI. That's yes, right. But to his message, <laughs> this message of forgiveness, he's right. So many of us stop at, oh, my sins are forgiven. And that's huge. That's a major, that is, that is worth celebrating Mm -hmm. uh, every day of our lives. But I think he's right that there's an even more, right? And it gets back to that last line of his, what good is forgiveness to dead people? Mm. Um, That it's all about new life in Christ that we've been born again. There is new life. I remember, at an Easter service once saying – and I did, obviously didn't make this line up. This has been a famous line forever uh, – that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive.
2: Oh, I love when preachers preach that. That's so good. Yeah. Right. And so I think good.
1: that's what Derwin's doing here. But I right. think a lot of us Christians included fall back into yes. a this is just about making bad people good.
2: All the time. I feel like that is my – like just – you know, opening the door to my personal struggles. That's it. Like, I'm like constantly like, am I good enough? Am I being obedient enough? Am I being faithful enough? Am I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And I forget like, Oh, the message is we all fall short. (laughs) Like I just, you do. It's so easy to fall back into like, Oh wait, this isn't about bad to good. This is death to life. This is the hard part is there is transformation into Christ likeness that we're promised. But what it isn't is translation, transformation into being a Pharisee. And I think that's where we fall back. That's where I fall back when I'm in that. Am I good enough? Am I am I doing all the right things? Am I? That's me being a Pharisee. I'm trying to save myself. I'm trying to be righteous in my own power. And so that we like that nuance, I think, really matters because one is freedom and one is prison. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think. Because it's true with religion. We can't go from bad to perfect, but we can go to from bad to better. (laughs) Like I can make myself better and then feel good about myself. But this idea that apart from Christ, we are dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions. Mm. uh, Now that takes the gospel to a whole nother level. And that's what everyone's getting at here uh, about this. It's about new life. It's breathing life. His spirit brings life to our dead lives. Uh, and praise Jesus for that. (laughs)
2: Amen, amen, amen. Hey, Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. Thanks so much for being here with us today. For Brian from I'm Aubrey Sampson and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, hope for your life.